Welcome to the Boardrooms Best, the podcast for CEOs, board directors, investors, leaders, and those who want to rise and serve in the boardrooms of public, private, family-owned, charitable foundations, and exciting high-flying entrepreneurial companies. I'm Nancy May, the CEO of the Boardbench Companies, and I'm your host here today at the Boardrooms Best. Our guest today is Kenneth Handel. Ken is well-known and acclaimed for ensuring legal turnarounds at troubled companies and is an expert in corporate ethics, compliance, governance, and risk management. He served as general counsel and corporate secretary of CA Technologies, helping to bring them back after an obstruction of justice scandal that decimated the C-suite. At the New York Racing Association, Ken was charged with rebuilding legal compliance after the discovery of a $2 billion racing wagering scandal. He supported similar legal turnarounds at Philip Morris, known as Altria today, and a large government contract contractor, among many others. It is a privilege and honor to have my good friend, Ken Handel, as our guest here today at the Boardroom's Best. Well, today we've got my good friend, Ken Handel. Ken Handel is probably one of, um, well, at least in my opinion, the best general counsels out there. And certainly if your board or company is in any kind of situation, a turnaround, a challenge, maybe even a tweak, I would recommend that you talk and bring in Ken Handel for a deeper dive in the conversation. But today we're going to be talking with Ken about some of the challenges that are going on in boardrooms, not just in the past, but also today as it relates to culture, um, compliance, and uh, regulatory concerns, not so much in a dry and boring manner, but in real matter-of-fact stories of what's happened in the past. So, so Ken, let's, let's sort of jump in here. Um, you've been with a number of companies, uh, Philip Morris, Computer Associates, now known as CA Technologies, New York Racing Association, among those. You had a funny story that you told me uh, a couple of couple of weeks ago about your daughter's comments on the companies, the names of the companies that you'd worked on before. You want to share that with me? Sure. Well, thank you, Nancy, for, for having me. And um, I should, I, I do want to point out that I was with those companies uh, uh, after their messes and that my job was to try to clean up the mess. Um, the story that telling you was, was that when I went to Philip Morris, which was a, a wonderfully uh, well-run company, and I worked for them during the period of uh, all the tobacco litigation uh, in the, the 90s um, into 2004. And while I was there, uh, we changed the name of Philip Morris to Altria, which is still the, the name of the uh, U.S. tobacco company. And I went from there to Computer Associates, which had had a major obstruction of justice uh, criminal scandal where uh, top eight people were uh, indicted. And at Computer Associates, we changed the name fairly quickly after 2004 to uh, CA Technologies. And what I was telling you, Nancy, was that my, my daughter, who was then about 15 years old and very inquisitive, asked me, uh, Daddy, why does every company you go to change its name? And I was kind of stumped for an answer, but that was uh, that was her, her question. The, uh, it's a little hard to answer. <laughs> but, smart girls. Yeah, she was watch out for them. <laughs> very, very smart. Well, you've been involved in a number of companies, and like you said, not in the throes of the process happening as the company was going downhill or being faced with some sort of litigation or, or challenge, but really as, I'll call it, cleaner-upper. 
for lack of better description. Right now, there's a lot of issues that are going on out there, especially in the media, as it deals with big name folks that are being taken out because of their behavior. And behavior is really at the root of, of problems. It comes down to, to human character, shall we say. How does a company really sort of get ahead of, of a cultural trap? I don't call it a bad guy because not everybody was bad to start with. But how do you get ahead of the, the edge so that this doesn't happen, whether it be a, you know, a big media brand name being taken out because of a, a personal issue or, or some fixing of the numbers, shall we say? Well, I, I think problem starts with uh, some companies just don't have good processes to ensure that they can deal with issues that come up. Philip Morris, uh, at the time I went there, was uh, owned Kraft and Miller Beer and uh, a couple of other companies, and uh, in addition to the uh, worldwide tobacco, and and it, it was a very very strong company, well run company, and it uh, it had to resist um, the litigation that was brought against it and the proceedings by the government, and and it, it, it was a very very strong company. Um, but even after we got through that mess of the litigation in the early 2000s, we started an effort there to, at each company, at each installation around the world, to put in a, a good compliance program and, and make available to all the employees ways that they could raise issues and how the issues would be investigated and handled. And, um, uh, you know, I think it was a very helpful uh, process. And then at Computer Associates, when I got there in 2004, it was right after the chairman CEO, same person, had been let go. We um, uh, immediately started the same kind of process to put into effect a, a good compliance program. Brought in a, a head of compliance from a, from another company and who had been doing this for a long time. And um, just it was just so important. Um, and interestingly enough, I mean, we when when I started at Computer Associates, we signed a deferred prosecution agreement with the with the government, and it set forth certain things that we had to do in within uh, a year. Um, the, the document retention program, because they had been tearing up documents before, uh, uh, such as a compliance program and um, uh, ethical guidelines and things. And and um, it, it was just a, a, a great thing for the company. And, and the company is uh, now back on track and, and doing pretty well. We also had a, a new board chair who had been on the board, but he, he became the board chair and he was uh, he was very aggressive in uh, looking into things. He was not afraid to investigate anything that he didn't like or that some member of the board didn't like and, and to look at everything. And also he brought into play uh, the, myself as a general counsel and, uh, and the chief compliance officer reported to me and, and we were very active in 
in the decision making, and I, I, I think that's what those kinds of things really uh, help those companies uh, through their difficulties. Well, you mentioned the the chairman who had come in and really was focused on on making changes that had an impact. That really takes a person of strong character and will to be able to come in and give that kind of leadership and tell the management team that guess what there's there's a new sheriff in town so to speak and this is the way it's going to work how, well, how does that it, message it, get I, out from a chairman when in fact now you're also going through transition of a ceo everybody's a little nervous about what's going on correct yes uh well a, a couple of things happened one one i think the, it was important that after that point the job of chairman and ceo were split up and there were there were different people i think what what allowed the prior chairman CEO to perpetrate the fraud and obstruction of justice was the fact that he controlled everything. He controlled the, all the flow of information to the board and all the people reporting to him were consented to do what he were told to do whatever he wanted because they were petrified. The new chairman, I, I think I can say it was Lou Ranieri, uh, who was not shy and was always willing to go after problems that he that he saw in the company. He also, at that point, we didn't have a chairman, a CEO, and uh, they were they were looking for a, for a CEO. But Lou really acted as the the CEO in running the company. And uh, well, we did have a temporary CEO for a while, but. He, he was really on, really engaged in everything that was going on in the company. And uh, when you say there's a new sheriff in town, it, it, that was one of the things that he said to me, and that uh, I have framed at home. That uh, he said to me, "You're the you're the new sheriff in town, and and you have to make sure you know nothing like this happens again." And I think I think that's what you need in a company in that situation. So you were his deputy, and he was a sheriff. Yeah. Well, you know that that this whole story and and CA or Computer Associates, as it had been named before, is not alone in this history. And there's so many directors or people that I know that want to be on boards and they're anxious to get into the boardroom and 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 be part of the team. But what they don't understand is that in fact something like this could really hit the fan pretty hard, and their time and commitment changes. The calendar changes. So your chairman here stepped in as an interim CEO or helping out. You had another CEO, but he was really had tight reins on the horse. And that takes a lot of time. I'm going to guess that he was in the situation monitoring it every single day. Is that correct? Yeah. No, he was virtually, he was working full time at at the time. And when you're talking about what's going on today, I guess we're, we're seeing is is more over the sexual misconduct today. And um, I, I don't know. I wonder that maybe these these media companies should have handled this better uh, earlier. I mean, I keep hearing that NBC knew what was going on for a long time, and because I was I was kind of surprised that. When I read that the first person to complain about uh, Matt Lauer brought the complaint on Monday, Monday night, and they fired him early Wednesday morning, I, I think that's probably an indication that that they knew knew all along what was going on and and didn't do anything about it. But um, at least they they did something about it right away when they, when they received the complaint. Well, um, 
and they also were the the first ones to be front and center on this issue, literally on their own station. There were others that were dealing with it as well. So not to follow up and stand strong on a commitment to say, you know, this is who we are. We have a certain level of integrity to uphold to our viewers and to our shareholders and to the families, quite frankly, that watch their station. It's what happens behind the scenes creates the the model for the brand, which is important. Yeah, yeah. So, Although I do, I do think there are different levels. I mean, I, every day we seem to be reading about some somebody new who's getting fired for something. And uh, I mean, I think the, it seems like the Weinstein mess and the NBC are in a category where where something had to be done. In reading about the Weinstein companies and what was going on and where they hired a very well-regarded lawyer, Dean wouldn't let the board look at his uh, personnel file. And uh, they hired an outside lawyer who said, uh, looked at it and said, uh, told the board it's okay. There's nothing in here to worry about. Well, there's something wrong. Right. Uh, so then you're there, trusting you're uh, trusting your outside counsel who's looked at a, a document and said it's okay, yeah, or somebody's yeah. outside counsel. And yeah. this is not new to to the world. I mean, as long as we have men and women in the world, it's, it, this stuff is going to happen. And it, it's happened in the corporate world in the past. It's just front and center now because it's in a very visible kind of business. But if you're a board member and nothing like this has come out before in a company, we talked a little bit the other day about how do you get more insight and knowledge as a board member as to what's going on. We'll call it, maybe this is not the right terminology, but under the covers. And I don't mean literally, or you know, we're talking about what's happening underneath the layers of the business. So you can really get a, a better understanding of knowing and trusting those that, that are running the company, because as a board member, you're not running the company. That's the first thing I, I recommend is that a, somebody before they get on the board just ha- has to educate themselves and acquire an understanding of what the company does and what the industry does and meet the executives at the at the uh, company more so than just the just the CEO um, and that process has to continue when they're at, at the board member is is uh, on the board and I, I think that you just have to keep educating yourself and and you got to not just talk to the CEO but talk to the general counsel talk to the chief compliance officer talk to the CFO and and uh, talk to your other board members uh, about what what you think is going on and it doesn't doesn't always have to be at a at a formal meeting of the board well, and not every board member is as engaged as what we're talking about here. In fact, I mean, I know board members of companies when there are products out there in the market that they sell to the consumers or even to other trades, don't go into the stores, don't go see the products. One of the things that, that we do here as a company, if we've got a client that is in, the, in, a, in, a, in an environment that we can actually touch and see and feel or smell or, or engage with something that they, they do, whether it be a service or a product, we're out there talking to customers and value. I had a client a couple of years ago that um, was making sports products for kids and I went out literally one weekends and just went looking for some of the stores where they sold their products and talked to parents that were buying the products and what they thought and, and what the kids thought of what was going on and what they they saw at I'll call it the root level. And it was really interesting to get that perspective versus what I got at, at the board or the senior management level. Not that it was much different, but you get a different kind of engagement with the company's yeah. brand from a 
a customer perspective than you do inside the board. Yeah, that's yeah. a very good point. That with a consumer products company, that that you go out and you look at what they're doing and how they're selling their product and advertising and everything. I mean, you can just never get enough knowledge about what's going on at the at the company. No, even to the point of what the what the employees are saying about the company. So. Um, this is probably again a couple of years ago. There was a, a customer or a company that we were looking at, and uh, from a cu- from a client perspective, and I went into some of their environments or stores, and I just started talking to the employees and asked them about the CEO, who I had happened to meet at, at an event, and we had a very lovely conversation. I have never, to this day, met a group of employees that gush over a CEO like this guy. <laughs> Fabulous! Every single one I spoke to, even in the small little boutique environment. They lit up when his name was brought forward, and, and no hesitation. And from an outside perspective, to me, it just brought great joy to see that. Plus, I like the products too, so that was that was helpful to see. So that's that's a little bit of knowledge of well, the that, company. Go ahead. Yeah, that sort of that sort of reminds me of what I was uh, telling you recently that, that about the CEO slash uh, chairman of CA Computer Associates that was involved in this uh, whole scandal. Um, uh, I think he just got out of jail actually a couple of weeks ago. The um, he, he was he was he was quite uh, an actor, and and uh, employees were very disappointed when he when he left and uh, was fired and later indicted and sent to jail. But um, there was a period there where. Uh, we had to get over that because they, uh, the the employees were really fooled. I mean, a, a lot of people were fooled in the company, and and uh, um, because he controlled virtually everything as chairman and CEO, the board was really in the dark when when this happened. But that hurts even more yeah. when when you know that you've got a commitment to to a man or a woman who's leading a company, and you absolutely. <laughs> believe in them and and they let you down i mean in this particular case computer associates had been also named as one of the top 100 places best places for to women to work with worth working mothers isn't that correct yes and uh, we had a they had a montessori school at the uh, place and and uh, it, it was both a daycare and a and a school and and um uh it was it was amazing and um i i, I was told uh, later that they had even uh, uh, not been truthful with working mother when they talked about what they did and and how full they were to the employees. So I, you know, you, you just gotta you just gotta watch watch out for this stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, you really have to dig. That's the that's the uh, that's the answer. And it's not um, often comfortable for people to do, especially you know when in fact there are pressures for performance on the outside because everybody wants to make sure the stock goes up. And the the value of the company continues to grow, but that fall after you know a, a bad scenario really hurts even more so. Yeah. so well, that's what, that's what drove the uh, you know everybody worried about the performance. That's what started the cascade of events at at CA at Computer Associates. Um, the board passed a plan of uh, incentive compensation for the. Uh, executives and they had to make certain numbers um, and in order to get the compensation and they started pulling uh, it was a revenue recognition problem they started 
pulling uh, forward contracts from the next quarter. They would pull them back to the this quarter and you know date them, backdate them, and and stuff so that the quarter looked good. And that that believe it or not was not the worst thing in the world. Uh, apparently, it was being done by other software companies and and uh, financial uh, services firms, hardware too. companies. Yeah. yeah. And um, it might have gotten a slap on the wrist or something, but the problem was that the higher-ups at Computer Associates uh, all got together and decided to cover it up and, and lie to the uh, SEC and the grand jury and to everybody else, and, and uh, uh, they co-opted customers, and um, th- that's what led to their... That was what their downfall was. So let, so let me ask you, you just brought something up uh, that saying that the worst part was not so much that the numbers were being pushed more aggressively, but the cover-up that happened. So is it okay to be more aggressive on your numbers and be more transparent? No, 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 <laughs> I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I, I think that was what the SEC was doing at the time. I, I don't, uh, and and um, they probably should have been much more aggressive on on that sort of issue. But I guess I, I'm just trying to emphasize that it's the it was the cover up that that really 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 did it. That reminds me of uh, when uh, we were doing our your panel and uh, right. uh, of, of the, one of the uh, very sophisticated people that was there asked me if if I thought that the issues at companies like this were the result of people intent on doing bad things or people panicking and and being coerced to do bad things um, or being cornered uh, to do bad things. And I, I, I was kind of surprised at that. And I, I, I have a lot of faith in human nature, but I think there are just some bad people out there that, that do bad things. And that's that's what happens. Yeah, as the old story or the, the concept goes, you know, a leopard doesn't change its spots, especially if they're born with them, right? So, yeah. although I'm not sure leopards are actually born with spots, I think they get them later on. It's kind of like Dalmatians, right? Maybe we should be careful what I say. So, I'm going to ask one sort of one last question before we wrap things up. Um, in looking at light of, of CA and some of the other companies, we're talking about compensation right now that's just sort of pushed the the needle or, or move the needle over the line a little bit. Should risk management really be, I, oh, let's put it this way, should compensation be part of your risk management plan when you're thinking about how this whole structure is put together? Because it's a way to manage, it could be a way to manage risk so it doesn't happen from that perspective, or is it really a way to incentivize people to do better things? Well, that's, I mean, that's a a large topic, but but I mean I I just say that I I think absolutely compensation has to be part of your risk management plan. I mean I I, I think what happened at Computer Associates was, uh, and I, I I would imagine the plan that was put in effect in I think it was '99 was um, was probably put together by the chairman slash CEO, but. Uh, I, I think a, a board and a risk manager has to look very care, have to look very carefully at any kind of compensation plan that uh, can make, be so easily manipulated um, as as that one was. And and uh, again, I think it's a situation where the board just has to has to be a 
aggressive and looking into things and, and getting good advice. So so it's been a while since um, CA has come out of this scenario, and, and it's got good leadership now, and it's doing good work. The wounds of the past still probably remain on uh, on the minds of the board members of, of what had happened and their due diligence, but, but people are, are people, and we get comfortable over time knowing that, that things have sort of gotten better. If you were to give some advice to a person looking at a board, and I'm not pointing at, at CA or, or, or any particular company, but has been through something like this in the past few years, would you recommend that they consider going on to a board like this or stay, say, you know, maybe I want something a little easier? I don't know. I mean, I, I find it exciting and, and I'm not sure that a board member or a potential board member can predict by looking at a company that, you know, if they had trouble in the past, that that means they're going to have more trouble in the future or or that if they haven't had trouble in the past, that means uh, they're not going to have trouble in the future. I, I, I don't know that you can uh, determine something like that, but you do raise a point. I mean, I think all of these programs, compliance, your corporate governance, your corporate culture, risk management, uh, they all have to be refreshed all the time. You can't just, uh, you know, rely on, on, you know, well, this was done a few years ago and uh, implemented and we're okay. I mean, it really has to be refreshed. And I, I think I think the board has uh, uh, special obligations of engagement on an independent basis and and uh, oversight of these uh, these programs i mean they they just they've got to look at it and and focus on the long term rather than the short term issues well and quite frankly all the compliance issues or, or compliance and regulatory practices that go into board governance is not going to guarantee that your company is going to be strong and healthy and, and not run into a wall, shall we say. Uh, right. co- compliance alone does not create a corporate culture or help incentivize the culture to be strong or good. It really takes good people and good leadership. And that's the board's responsibility also to make sure that the best people are there with the right set of morals and ethics and engaging a strong team to want to, to drive the business forward for the customers. Because without yeah. customers, there's no need for an investor. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and you know I'd, I'd add something that we heard at that uh, that panel. We did the comment by the activist shareholder, which was, I thought was very interesting. He he said that they look for companies with poor corporate governance because that tends to mean they have poor performance, uh, and that those are the companies that they they go after. Which I thought was was very interesting. Well, ultimately, it still comes down to the numbers. And if the board is weak, you hope that the management team is strong. It doesn't always go that way. I would tend to agree with them. There's always the exception to the rule. Well, Ken, thank you very much. It has been really a pleasure. I always love spending time with you. And I hope that everybody in our audience, actually, I'm pretty sure that everybody in our audience learned something and was able to become stronger, better, more powerful in what they're going to be doing going forward in the boardroom. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure spending time with you. Thank you, Neil.